Heavenly Father, thank you that you have given us your word. As we look into the Bible tonight, we ask that you would be at work in us, shape and mould us to be Christ-like servants uh, for you. In Jesus' name, amen. Uh, Not too long ago, Eloise, uh, my wife and I, we moved into a new house in Springwood. Um, And we were very excited about this because we had previously lived in an apartment. And me particularly, I was really excited because we had a garden. And I was really excited to garden. Uh, Anyway, we got got into a house, we moved in, and I looked at the garden and it was a -a chock-a-block full of weeds. It was overgrown and just crazy. Um, And the neighbour came over and he met us and he said, the last people that that lived here, they never looked at the garden, so you've got some real work on your hands. Um, But I thought, how hard can it be? Uh, It's just a a few weeds. Uh, So one Saturday I got in the garden, I put some gloves on and I started pulling out weeds. And I did a lot of work. I felt pretty happy uh, with myself. One week went by. Just one week. A bit of rain came down and all my hard work was gone. All the weeds were back and I had wasted my time. I hadn't used any weed killer. I hadn't had the right tools for the job. I was unequipped. Uh, Luckily, uh, a week later, I found some Roundup and uh, the gardens are going all right now. Uh, But as Christians who are running the race who are trying and striving to serve God and love him more and more, uh, we sometimes might feel like we don't have the tools for the job. We may feel ill-equipped to the task of pleasing God and loving and serving him well. So where do we go to be equipped for the task of following God? Where do we go to be equipped to follow and serve God? Uh, Well, uh, as uh, Steve mentioned, we've been looking at uh, doxologies uh, the last three weeks, and this is uh, the final doxology we're looking at. Um, And uh, we'll see in this small doxology in the book of Hebrews, I'll just be looking at uh, verses 20 and 21 tonight, uh, we'll get a hint as to where we go uh, to be equipped. Uh, The book of Hebrews was written to uh, a bunch of Christians who were once Jews in the first century who were at risk of giving up their faith in Jesus. First century uh, times were hard for uh, Jewish believers uh, in Jesus. There was heavy persecution and there was a temptation for them to go back to their old lives. The letter of Hebrews was a letter to remind these Christians that they were to remain uh, confident in Christ and to become mature and steady in their faith. So this doxology at the, book of, at the end of the book of Hebrews was a final prayer and reminder to them as they struggled uh, in their Christian lives. To be equipped in their Christian lives to follow, trust and obey God well. They needed the God of peace and the resourceful God. They needed God's help. Uh, and for us in 21st century Australia, uh, we're no different. We need God's help as we run Uh, the race as Christians. So firstly, we'll see that to be equipped, we need to go to the God of peace. If you've got your Bibles there, keep them open um, and read with me in verse 20. Now may the God of peace, who through the blood of the eternal covenant brought back from the dead our Lord Jesus, that great shepherd 
equip you. The writer of Hebrews uh, refers to God as uh, the God of peace. Uh, My immediate thought when I think of uh, peace is uh, a tie-dye shirt and long hair. I've got the long hair, I don't have the tie-dye shirt. Um, But what is the writer of Hebrews uh, meaning when he says this about God? What does the writer mean uh, when he refers to God as the God of peace? Well, he's referring to the fact that God resolves our greatest issue. God resolves our greatest issue. Our greatest issue uh, at the moment isn't that uh, wars are going on or uh, whether climate change is going to affect us or uh, whether or not you had a coffee before you came to church. Uh, That's not our biggest issue. Our biggest issue is that we sin. Our sin, our rejection of God, puts a barrier between us and God. Our sin stops us from being in a relationship with God, the very creator of the universe. But through Jesus' death and resurrection, our sin has been removed. Our greatest problem is God, gone. It's not God. Our greatest need is God. Our greatest problem is sin. Our sin means that we are deserving of death. But God has taken our sin and he's put it on Jesus. And Jesus has died the death that we deserve. We can't do anything about our problem of sin alone. We can't do enough good deeds. We can't uh, perfectly obey God. Uh, But God can and has fixed our problem of sin for those who choose to follow him. So we know that God has removed the barrier of sin between us and God, and therefore, God makes ultimate peace. Uh, See, now that God has removed our greatest problem, there is ultimate peace between humanity and God. Because of sin, God is unreachable for us. We can't get him. There's a barrier in the way. But God, through Jesus, has allowed us to know God personally. How has he done this? He's done it through the blood of the eternal covenant. God's redeeming, saving work is done through the new covenant, through Jesus' death and resurrection. By Jesus' blood, by Jesus' death, the new covenant pays for the sin of all those who are faithful to God. Jesus, the great shepherd of the sheep, has shown and continues to show that he is a great carer for those who follow him. In his life on earth, we know from reading the Gospels that Jesus was a caring and compassionate man in his ministry. But the ultimate expression of his care is seen at the cross. At the cross, Jesus, the good shepherd, has laid himself down for his sheep. In Jesus' care for the sheep, the church, he has died for the sins of those who choose to follow him as a great act of service. His death paid the price for our sin and God saw it as a worthy sacrifice and a good replacement for the punishment for our sin. And therefore, God raised Jesus back to life. He brought back from the dead our Lord Jesus. And because of Jesus' resurrection, because he's, he rose again from the dead and that he's alive today, Jesus continues to act as a mediator. He continues to be our link between us and God. 
By the blood of Jesus, we now have ultimate peace with God. There is no problem uh, for us. There is no problem for those who follow Jesus. Uh, Just reading this week uh, in the news, um, reading about Turkey attacking Syria, it's it's unsettling. It's horrible to hear uh, that war is breaking out in our world. And without question, uh, I think peace is something that we all as humans want. But even this unsettling and disturbing war, even the unsettling and disturbing nature of war in our world does not compare to the troubling nature of our relationship with God without Jesus. Without Jesus, we stand before God condemned. But God has given us Jesus. And with him, there is peace between us and God if we place our trust in him. God doesn't leave us in a disconnected, disjointed state with himself. But in Jesus, he makes peace between himself and humanity. So we've seen that God has done great things for us. We've seen that God is a God of peace. But we also see in this passage that he continues to do things in us. He continues uh, to work in us now in the present. He equips those who believe in him. And we see that God is the resourceful God. The resourceful God. Uh, Verse 21, the writer of Hebrews says this, May the God of peace equip you with everything good for doing his will. And may he work in us what is pleasing to him through Jesus Christ, to whom be the glory forever and ever. Amen. Uh, We see here in this passage that God works in Christians. We see that God, he equips the church. God equips those who follow Jesus with everything uh, good for doing God's will. And he works in us uh, to do what is pleasing to him. God works in us to make us fruitful, God-following, God-obeying Christians. For those who are receiving this letter, they are at risk of slipping away in their faith. Perhaps they were tempted to look elsewhere for a godly life. But the writer here says, it's not going to be self-help books. It's not going to be being a perfect person. It's not going to be a leader of being a leader of some sort. It's simple. To be a good follower of Christ, it's trusting God. It's trusting that he would be the one at work in us. It's giving the sanctifying and and purifying work to God, that he would be at work in us to make us holy. By the work of Jesus' death and resurrection, we are given the Holy Spirit by Jesus. By the Spirit, God works in us to understand the Bible, which is where we go to find the very words of God. In the Bible, we learn of God's will and what pleases Him. And by the Spirit, our hearts and minds are transformed as we read the Bible. Do you look elsewhere for this? Or do you come to God in prayer and do you ask for His help as you read his word. We have a resourceful God who equips the church. 
God gives individuals the ability to know his will and what is pleasing to him. Recently I was at home and I was making uh, my famous chicken, pea and lemon risotto. It's a famous one for me. What can I say? Um, but uh, I got a bit cocky this time and I decided I didn't need the recipe. And it takes a long time to cook. It takes about an hour and 20 minutes or something like that. And I went ahead and started cooking it. And uh, the time was up and I pulled it out of the oven. And uh, it turned out to be horrible. It was an absolute flop. I didn't go to the recipe at all. And what I got was a mushy, rice crunchy, overcooked leather chicken mess. It was, uh, it was certainly unpleasurable. I should have just gone to the recipe. As Christians, we don't want to be mushy, half-cooked Christians. We want to be pleasing to God. Where do we go for this? Where do we go? Where do we go to know God's will? We go to God himself. He is going to be doing that work in us. We can't be obedient to God without his help. Uh, just this week, uh, reflecting on some of my own sin, I realised that I'm quite dependent on myself uh, to fix my problems, to fix my problem with sin. I dream up all sorts of things to try and change my ways, to be a more godly person. And to an extent, it's not a bad thing. But we need to include God in that. I need to include God in that. Just reading this passage has reminded me that I am ill-equipped to fix sin in my life and to become a more holy and Christ-like person without the help of God himself. I realised in my confession of sin, I need to say to God that I need his help. I need to ask that God would be the one at work in me to remove my sinful patterns and that he would be at work in me that I might pursue holiness, a God-honouring life. God doesn't just pick, fix up our past mistakes, but he works in us now, in our present failures. God repairs what has been broken and gives us what we need to go on and serve and love him more. As prideful people, this can be a challenge to us. But it's something we need to do. We need to run humbly to God and depend on Him now that we uh, might know Him better and love Him more and become a great follower of Him. Can we trust that God is able to do this? Can we trust that God is able to work in us and equip us? Yes, we can. Uh, we can trust that God is able to equip. Uh, jumping back to verse 20, uh, we read that through the blood of the eternal covenant, God brought back from the dead our Lord Jesus. This statement is the very reason that we can trust that God is working in us and is able to equip. Uh, without Jesus, in our sin and shame, we aren't worthy to be in a relationship with God. We aren't worthy to be near Him. Yet by the blood of Jesus, our sin has been removed and God is now able to draw close to us. The barrier of sin has been removed and now the Spirit lives within us, working in us and shaping us. 
So not only is God a saving and powerful God, but he is a God who is at work in us so that we could be more like God created us to be. The good news of this is that we don't need to feel like bad Christians who are unable to please God. God has given us everything we need to please him and do his will. When we feel like a failure, when we feel in despair in our sin, uh, we can know that God still works and equips believers to do his will. And we can please God. God is able and has equipped us with the ability to give him glory and honour. So, where do we go to be equipped for the task of following God? Where do we go to be equipped in running the race as a Christian? Well, we go to the God of peace, who through the blood of Jesus has made us right with him. And because of this, God is able to draw near to us and work in us. We go to the same God, the resourceful God, who gives us everything that we need, who is able to equip us and does equip us in our Christian lives. We don't need to be ill-equipped for the task. We don't need to be ill-equipped for the task. Go to the God of the universe for help in your walk with God. There's great encouragement in this passage. We don't have to be in despair that we'll never be able to please God. We find in this doxology that we can please God. God equips us to do his will and please him because of the work of Jesus. So place your trust in Jesus and pray that as you read his word, he would be at work in you to be a faithful, fruitful and obedient servant of his. Let's pray. Lord, we thank you that you are a God of peace who has removed the barrier of sin between us and you. We thank you that in Jesus' death and resurrection we can know you personally. And we thank, that, thank you that because of Jesus' work, you are able to work in us. Thank you, Lord, that you have equipped us as believers to be able to do your will and to please you. Thank you that you not only fix what has happened in the past, but you continue to work in us in the present. Help us to lean on you and depend on you, to love and serve you better. Lord, work in us that we might be more holy, Christ-like people. Amen.